I grew up in the church, right? So when I went into psychedelics, I was very terrified to expose it to everyone because I thought that I was going to be ridiculed and called like, this is the devil's work and you know, all these things, right? It's totally different from like a Christian community. Like we're in the forest in the woods, stomping around and calling different things forth and all this stuff. And so I had to like go in the middle of that and be like, okay, my audience and the people that I know are not going to totally resonate with how I was taught. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience podcast, where we dive deep into the realms of mental health, self-exploration, and transformative healing. I'm your host, Keith Fiveson, and today we welcome a true luminary, Phoenix White. Phoenix White is a force of nature. She's a beacon of hope and empowerment, a pioneering advocate for mental health and psychedelic therapy, and she's the CEO of the Sacred Celestial Institute. Her journey is nothing short of awe-inspiring, filled with resilience, triumph, and a relentless dedication to healing and transformation. We'll hear more about her story in a moment. Welcome, Phoenix. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. That sounded really cool, your intro. <laughs> like, oh, that's you. And uh, I'm I'm really so appreciative to have you here. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before the show about your journey, and I'm really interested uh, because uh, it's very inspiring. And you've done quite a bit. Can you share with our listeners what led you on this path of mental health as an advocate and also as a psychedelic uh, assisted therapist? What led me on this path, um, I think it started when I was younger. Mm. I've, I've come from a family that, you know, I dealt with a lot of trauma, abuse, um, you know, not that my family didn't try to, you know, do the, all the right things, but I still ended up in really bad situations when I was younger. And I always felt like the, the odd kid, you know, that had these gifts that always wanted to help people, that always could see certain things and hear certain things. Mm. I was a weird one. Mm -hmm. um, I get that. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So we, it's always us, right? Go through the most stuff. But it's, it's led me on this journey of wanting to see people who have been through some of the things I've been through and even more things. Mm have a safe space to be able to heal and evolve and grow and open up mm -hmm. uh, to be more of themselves. And so that is what I've committed my life to. It's just, it's, it's freeing people, you know, mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. want help to help people to be more free and more of themselves and more healed. And so mm -hmm. in my community that has been really hard because they have been through a lot of trauma where I grew up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot yeah. of the women in my family, a lot of the women that I meet, They've been through a lot of trauma. And so I just, I, I found myself, it just was in my lap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. very, very little. Yeah, I mean, you're you're bringing up something that I think is uh, probably not talked about enough. Gabor Mate talks about it, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's the whole idea that we're born into a society of trauma, you know, and we're not given any kind of manual about it. We're just told to be quiet and adapt, you know. So uh, whether or not it's implicit or explicit, you know, you're, I mean, we're, we're, and, and so with this trauma, you recognize that and you said, you know, uh, I'm going to be the change I want to see. And you wound up doing the work around that. Is that right? Exactly. It's because it's hard because it's, it's like one, there's shame associated with going through certain things. 
there's this shame, there's this guilt, there's that lack of worthiness. There's all these different things depending on what has happened to you in your life or what you've gone mm. through. Some people mm. don't have parents, some people don't have fathers, some people mm. have been abused. You know, some people grew up in foster care, so they have abandonment issues or, you know, there's like all these different, um, these nuances that have happened to people. They're, they're not all the same as mine, but at the end of the day, people want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be mm. felt. They want to be understood. They want to be held. They want to be nurtured, but in a safe mm. space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think right. a lot of people don't feel safe enough to heal. Yeah, and I know that yeah. sounds kind of crazy because everybody's like, you know, you just got to heal. But it's like, I don't feel safe enough to heal. I got to let my guard down to mm. heal. Mm. You know, you have to allow all this stuff to come to the surface. Mm-hmm. And then I mm-hmm. let all this come shooting up to the mm-hmm. surface. And mm-hmm. what if I fracture? What if I can't get mm-hmm. myself back mm-hmm. out? You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people are living in survival mode mm-hmm. you know right a lot of fight or flight yeah. yeah and it's not just a lot of us are fawning you know because people go into that fight or flight right it's like yeah. that normal okay fight, fight whatever you want <laughs> but they forget about fawn where we just mm-hmm. go into people pleasing mode right you know to to the point that it just kills a lot of people on mm-hmm. the soul level mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you're just doing and doing and doing and doing and doing but you're not being filled back up you're just trying to please people at the expense of yourself mm-hmm. Mm. I really I really like that uh, because there is that need for I mean so desperately we really want to just sort of relax and really tell people our story or go into just being seen heard recognized and appreciated for whatever that story is because that's the shame and that's the you know that's the less less worthiness you know I work with clients and I mean I was working with a very successful person this morning who was having issues around his own self-worth you know even though incredibly successful but there is that that deep you know that deep unbroken it's still broken but unmended aspect of the narrative let me ask you you know you're i I really love the work you're doing with the sacred celestial institute and i really like your um your your fusion you know you have this fusion of the sacred and the the sacred and the science and the medical and the mystical. I'm wondering if you look at the spirituality and the science, how do you approach merging these two desperate, you know, disparate realms? Because there a lot of people don't see it. I, I kind of think it's the same thing. And I'm wondering, I I have a hard time sometimes articulating it with people. Right, right. But I'm, I'm wondering how do you bring those together as, as a healing modality? Because therein lies the container that you're talking about, that safe space, I think, where people can, you know, regardless of what your wounding is, because a lot of people come out of a sort of a religious perspective. You know, uh, they don't they don't understand the difference between spirituality and religion. You know, so I'm wondering what your perspective is on that. So I grew up in the church, Mm -hmm. right? So when I went into psychedelics, I was very terrified Mm. to expose it to everyone because I thought that I was going to be ridiculed and called like, this is the devil's work and, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm more of spiritual. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not religious anymore, but that's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Most of the people that know me, well, a large majority of people that know me in my family, especially they're Christian, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's being the bridge. So what I realized that I became this bridge Mm -hmm. between spirituality, religion, science, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, and also fusing all those indigenous methods together, because I learned from 
more of indigenous teachers in Mexico when I was living there mm-hmm. um, over the past like three and a half, four years. And so mm-hmm. me learning from them, I didn't mm-hmm. learn from, it, it's totally different from like a Christian community. Like we're in the forest in the woods stomping around mm-hmm. and following right. different right. things forth and all this stuff. Right. And so I had to like go in the middle of that and be like, okay, my audience and the people that Mm -hmm. I know are not going to totally resonate with how I was taught. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you don't have to be in the pew. You can, you can be in the woods, you know, that's right. uh, We're on the grass or in the the sky, wherever, you know, right. They don't resonate with that. That audience doesn't resonate with the language Mm -hmm. that they use. So it's my job is to use a mm-hmm. universal language where I can talk to everyone in the ways that they understand it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they all feel safe. So now in my ceremonies, I get lots of Christians. I, I get every everybody that you can imagine comes sure. to our ceremonies. And sure. so what I've done with the fusion of it, it's like, you know, with the the medical field, the pharmaceutical field, I, I learn and I study how does it affect the brain? What happens? You know, the, the mm-hmm. chemical part of it. Sure, the neuroscience. That, Mm-hmm. And then with the meta, with the um, more indigenous spiritual side of it, I learned that in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned those in the woods with the indigenous cultures. Like that's a totally different thing. They're not teaching the science, right? right. They're teaching the spirit, right? right? Teaching right. the culture. And so I take that information so that when I have a conversation at a ceremony, I'm teaching you. Mm. And so that's where that bridge sort of happens. It's like, well, what's happening in the brain? They're not going to always want to hear about the spirit is doing this and opening up your mind to all the other spirits. They're going to be like, oh, no, this part of your brain is activated. The psil- you know, the psilocybin right. turns into psilocin, and this is right. what happens. Right. It makes different parts of your brain communicate that wouldn't normally communicate together. Right. You know, so I'm right. able to articulate it in a way that doesn't sound so woo-woo, even Ooh, though yeah. respect and honor the mm-hmm. sacred medicine so some of the practices mm-hmm. that's why i do it in ceremony mm-hmm. instead of um mm-hmm. therapy version right right you right. know right. it's the same so there's no white coat there's no white coats and closed door no. rooms it's it's really about creating a sacred mm-hmm. space yes. in that sacred space you hold the container of yes. whatever is there or present for the individual, you know, I I want to go back to your uh, your your story about the church and the religion, because you know I love and I have repeated it often on the show. You know, Joseph Campbell's wonderful line about the difference between religion and spirituality, which is religion is the menu, spirituality is the meal. So you know, at at and if you've ever been to a one of the Greek diners, you can have a lot of stuff on the menu, you know? <laughs> you know, but the point being is that you're really setting the, you're really setting the stage here, which really doesn't have a menu. You're bringing it together, you're the left brain, the right brain, the logic mm-hmm. and the, the sacred and the science, and you're bringing those together within um, uh, ceremony. Let me ask you, you talked about, um, I was looking at this multi-sensory healing experience it's fascinating because it feels to me like it's part of certainly the ceremony and the ability to you know i i'm a a big fan of breath work you know and Mm -hmm. you you i'm I'm sure you know this but the the word breath in latin is spear s-p-i-r as in spirit as an expiration, as an aspiration, as an inspiration, as in the spire of a church, as in, you know, uh, wonderful things around the breath work, right? I mean, it's all yeah. about 
it's all about how we breathe so what right. is what is the healing uh, the multi-sensory healing experience can you elaborate on it and how does it enhance the therapeutic journey for the individuals it's everything so okay let me tell Good. you why so it, it excites me because and that is what's the differentiator between going to the white coat version mm -hmm. you know in a medical office and coming to a ceremony for me so multi-sensory for me is what psychedelics do it's mm -hmm. like all of your senses are blown open right so what you see what you feel what you taste what you hear like everything is expanding right, right? right. and i mean if you look at the mris of the brains that are you know yes. on that you see an interconnection of and a firing of all of the areas of the brain it's really amazing yeah it's, it's like i always tell yeah. people it's like if you thought there was one method or one mm -hmm. road that you mm -hmm. can get to to solve a problem on mm -hmm. psychedelics there's 15 or 20 more rows that you could take to solve that same problem. It's like it opens up those neural pathways for you to be able to find different solutions mm -hmm. and see things from a different perspective that you would normally see. You know, so um, with the, the multi-sensory experience. Yeah. yeah, so with the multi-sensory stuff, we yeah. tap to your site. So everything is curated. What you see, like, so when you open your eyes, you may start a ceremony, but when you open your eyes, maybe two hours later and the sun goes down, maybe 400 candles will have come on that mm. you never knew were there mm. you know so it's like we bring things oh to good so it's that whole experience it's that whole yeah. psychedelic experience i love yeah. that yeah. so it it all of it matters what you see what you feel the container because you know if the container is not set correctly all kinds of stuff can come in you're so vulnerable when you're on psychedelics if you're around another person who has a different energy that can make you have a bad trip right Just off the top you know so like that whole container has to be set in a safe way so that right. people feel like oh i can feel free enough to just relax and be all of myself and then we have touch so whereas in the lab they don't touch you now of course we don't touch inappropriately but like we'll hold your hand we're rocking people we're rubbing their heads right. we're wiping their You're tears connecting, yeah. wiping their noses you know so like we're doing trigger point therapy if they feel like they're having a hard time. So we're very hands-on right. in an appropriate way, but we're very hands-on and we ask for permission for everything. So if, right. if I'm going to come sit next to you, I say, is it okay if I sit next to you? Right. You know, is it okay if I hold you? You know, so like everybody's like, please, right. you know, right. because right. they need that. They need to be held. They need to feel right. safe. We're, we're all human beings. We're not machines. You know, oh. there's no, I mean, we're all, you know, peers to each other we're all human you know we we all want to be seen heard loved and recognized exactly. and touch is huge so so mm -hmm. we've got the we've got the sight we've got the right. smell what you hear i have a very cur curated music that goes on so it it helps you it moves the journey along so you right. know i know when it's going high i know when it's going to dip that back down like i know the waves of the medicine right and yeah. so the music is curated to help you Right. go along your journey right and when people That's talk right. about that you know i i uh stanislav Droff talks you know i've done some of his breath i've done journey work but i i love the the science of the music in terms of really helping you lift off helping you yeah. you know there there's chaos there's there's conflict there's really helping like sounds and music that really helps you dig up stuff so it's not just sort of like you know oh 
you know, buckle in, we're, we're going off for a flight. No, it's really around how do we evoke or how do we do the yeah. digging, right? The, the psychic, the psychic digging and the music is a continual process. No matter Absolutely. what you're doing, it seems like music's very much involved with all of that. It's amazing. Music is the yeah. car we all got in. Yeah. You know, so it's like music is the car and we're just riding along, you know, on that car. And I always tell people to watch the whole experience like a movie, especially if they feel like they are going to have a hard time or they're scared or something's going to come up or if they've dealt with a lot of grief or, you know, different things where people get really nervous. I always say just watch it like a movie because I promise at the end, the credits will roll and it'll be over. So if you just sit back, don't fight with this movie, don't try to figure this movie out. Right. Don't try to talk through the movie because right. you're going to disconnect yourself. And right. Where's my cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's no. just go with the flow because That's sometimes great. people can get to the end and they'll think that it's over and there's one more way, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, just we're going to keep it quiet. We got one more way to go right. through. So I know those waves very well. And so the music, you know, we start off with like, um, it's a little bit more, you know, drummy, you know, kind of like ancient drummy, but it still has, my stuff still has a little bit of a beat to it, but it's it's all instrumental for the most part. Right, right. Um, but it, when it starts off there, as mm-hmm. soon as they take the medicine, we're going into breath work. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Maybe good. like 10 minutes. Good. And then off to the races, you know, they uh-huh. have their blindfolds on, they're off to the races. And then we have a time where people can get up and they can go explore the little wonderland that we've yeah. created. Now, now I want to go back to the breath work because, you know, many people hear breath work. They don't really understand. I mean, you know, I did the Stanislav Grof holotropic breath work. I, I use I breath work in my practice, you know, and so on and so forth. But from your view, I'm just interested in your take on the breath work. You know, tell me, you know, what does it do? What do you think it does for the individual? So for me, the breathing I have to use throughout the entire ceremony. Mm -hmm. So even before we start, when we're just getting to know each other, Mm -hmm. I'm teaching people how to breathe because at some point, if they have a hard time, Mm -hmm. that's how I'm really going to get them to calm down. Mm -hmm. Get them back into their body, into a state of present, you know, present on the breath, just being Mm -hmm. present in that moment. And so that's how I get that oxygen going in their body. Like, but they have to breathe the right way because if they're just like... Right, you know, right, they're not, right. They're, just they're, not, here. they're not going down to their diaphragm or their belly. You know? Yeah, so it's not doing anything but like building up, like, you know, smushing mm-hmm. on a brake that's where the car's not open. It's going right. to like pop at some point. That's great. So it's like, I have the longest breath right. ever. So it's very. <laughs> Straight. But I am like transferring. Sipping, and, sipping through the straw, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm transferring, right. you know, I'm transferring energies to right. people. So like my, my energy is very calm and ceremony. So are you attuning? Are you doing a lot of attunement? Like with the everyone, getting everyone into the same vibe, into the same breath pattern, getting, getting mm-hmm. the content together. Yeah. Good. You know, it, when they start, but not it's during, it's like 25 yeah. people. Then so that's during, their, everybody own is on their, own it's their own journey. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if I need your attention and I need to right. bring you back because you've gone a little too far mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I know that you're not feeling safe, I'm going to bring you back to breath and I'm going right. to give you that eye contact. And I'm sorry, I'm looking at my camera. Right. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to go because I, I have to, I have to transfer right. my energy, that peace and that calm to right. you. And if you do it with me. It'll be like a back and forth, beautiful, you know. Beautiful. So that is that is one of the methods that I use that almost always works. 
Right. Yeah. I yeah. Would say 90, 98% of the time, it's the breathing that yeah. shifts. Yeah. You're, 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 you're co-tuning with each other and you're having mm -hmm. that attunement. That's wonderful. So let me ask you, um, I, I'm sorry, I haven't read your book. You know, and I, I, I hope you, did we cover all the multi-sensory areas, by the way? Did we? Some of them. I mean, there's, okay. there's, there's a ton of them and, you know, and we don't tape. want to give your secret yeah, sauce like, away. I mean, you've got, yeah. you know, we don't want to tell them how it's all made. I mean, basically yeah. they have to come, they have to come to one of your retreats. Yes. So that would be the, you know, yeah. that would be the best thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the next and, one is February. Oh, great. And, and uh, I know we'll, we'll get to the website. I want to talk about that, but you've got. You know your book and redefining strong and i haven't read the book i'm sorry um i just you know we i haven't had time and i i apologize but you know i know that it's touched a lot of lives and i'm wondering what inspired you to, you know to share your personal story and what you know it and, and since i haven't read the book and many of the other readers haven't read it either what message would you like to you know share that you hope readers can get and take away from the book, you know, that is part of your story. I think the reason why I wrote Redefining Strong was mm -hmm. to help myself to heal originally and also mm -hmm. to finish with the debris that I had left over from healing that was left. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that I did with Redefining Strong. I remember I had like two weeks where I was just at home, just like, gotta write your book, gotta write your book. I just kept hearing it as like a download every day. And I was like, I don't know what to write about. You know, so I booked a trip to Costa Rica and I stayed there for two weeks. And literally when I opened my computer, it just poured out of me. So hmm. what Redefining Strong was about was it's a journey to finding yourself true, true healing and spiritual recalibration. Hmm. So it was me finding my true self who who are you without all this shit? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. We no without we, we all the extra <laughs> shit that's going on. Who are you really? Right. Without you know being on a show or without doing all the stuff, without right. the accolades, without the titles, who is famous? Mm. Mm. You know, without the stuff, without the makeup, without without the right. family. Yeah, who the raw, the raw, really? unadulterated. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you really on mm. a soul level, right? What are you here for? You know, and what are the parts of you that you still need to heal? And what are the parts that you've healed and how did you do it? So it's like, um, it has a lot of like worksheets and stuff inside oh, of there. Oh, wonderful. Wow. People how to do certain things. It's like, oh, oh beautiful. how do you love yourself? And it's mm. not like people always say, you need to love yourself. But it's like, how do I do that? Mm. Don't mm. tell me to love myself because it, that doesn't mean anything. Mm. What does that so mean? So it sounds like a real, uh, uh, you know, it has some narrative there, but it also is about you finding your own narrative and your own story. And, you know, I always say, you know, if you, uh, if you uh, change your story, you change your life. You know, yeah. if you're able and you can't change your story until you really understand your story and you give yourself the love and the acceptance that you need based on your story to go ahead and now write another chapter. You know, that's right. that, that now I it sounds to me like that's kind of the guidebook that you've created. It is a guidebook. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's a guidebook. Uh -huh. That's what it also has my autobiography in it. So oh, it tells wow. stories from my life and things that I've gone through from rape, abuse, um, mm. from uh, going through traumas and like all of the things that I went through that I had to heal from and how I did it. Mm. 
realizations wow. I had to have in order to get through these things, in order to still be compassionate, in order to still have that love and, mm -hmm. you know, that shiny stuff that you talked about in the beginning mm -hmm. so beautifully. Right. It's like, how did I get back to there and not be in bitterness? Mm. You know, how how am I able right. to do that after so much pain mm. and abuse and, mm. you know, bad relationships and mm. lack of trust? How did I get back to myself so that I am not in in a dark space? So I'll tell you what, I will send you a copy of my book if you send me a copy of your book. My For book sure. is The you Mindfulness Experience. It's a guide and it's very... Uh, you know, some of my story in there. And, and so I, I feel a little simpatico here and I'm, I'm really very curious as to what your, what your book is all about. And, you know, kind of, you know, I think, uh, exactly I, I, back there. I'll send it to you. Yeah. It's, oh, that's it. That's wonderful. That's <laughs> wonderful. Well, this is, we're going to have some video here. So, you know, this is all, all part of our, well, hopefully folks, you know what the cover looks like. So, uh, let me ask you, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, one of the things I said to you uh, when we started talking about is the whole area of the underground and uh, the race card, you know, because a lot of, uh, because like in a lot of areas, the underground is, is, is not above ground and there's a, a lot more uh, that people have to uh, really kind of show up for in some way, you know? Right. Um, right. So I'm wondering from your view, the intersection between race mental health and psychedelics and how do we address some of these disparities and really ensure in your view again you know equitable access to psychedelic therapy and i i believe this is a bit of a loaded question because i also believe that you're doing some of that right now you know so so maybe we can talk to that um so it was very interesting this is one of the panels that i did mm -hmm at wonderland it was called the intersection between race and mental health and mm -hmm. one of the big things that keeps coming up is with the legalization of these psychedelic medicines what's going to happen because a lot of people who are of color don't trust the pharmaceutical um environment mm -hmm. for certain things because of the history you know oh, things terrible. Yeah. and like all these things and so they don't want to be treated like guinea pigs. Also, some of these things then now price them out mm -hmm, right. from having access. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little different for me because you know, I was in Mexico. So like, mm -hmm. you just go to the shamans and you can mm -hmm. get it and you can have a full ceremony and all this stuff and you can pay a hundred, two hundred dollars, right? right? But what I'm seeing now is people are charging twenty thousand and. 8,000 and so you know it's it's right. so expensive right. that the people who really really need it are right. not going to be able to have access to it in a legal way so then it's going to force more underground stuff to happen and that I think it's not fair it's just it's that is that is a problem that right. I don't think people are thinking of when mm -hmm. they're like, oh, let's legalize it and only make it go through insurance or, you know, like things like that. It's like, what about the people who don't have insurance who really, really need it? Mm -hmm. You right. know, that can't yeah. afford five, six hundred dollar a month private insurance to be able to get a yes. Because, you know, some insurances, they only pay for certain things that they feel like they want to pay for. But then, right? you know, ketamine is I mean, I, I work with people who, who use ketamine and, uh, you know, I mean, it's still not very affordable and it's still not covered by insurance. And that's a medical model. But even still, you know, the psilocybin is only legal in a few states. And, 
you know, unless you want to grow it at home or unless you can find a psychedelic church of some sort. But even with the psychedelic churches, a lot of them are getting in trouble for selling it. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, you could take it as a sacrament, but you can't right. sell it. Right. You know, or you'll get shut down as a church. Right. And so it's there's still rules, you know, so it's like if it's not done a certain way, then you run this risk. Now, do I feel like they're out to get people who are just doing psilocybin? No. Mm -hmm. People who are selling it. Right. Maybe. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, is a problem, yeah. Yeah, so if it becomes a store, then you have a problem. If you're just yeah. doing a ceremony, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, uh, there, there's a few out there that are taking donations. You know, and donations dies, there's donations, but they're, to your point, they're selling it. And that's, that's a problem. That's really, uh, it's not good for the rest of the community. Yeah. Right, so some of these churches have been, you know, They've gotten ransacked. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've seen some of the psychedelic churches. I've been reading up on it. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's for me having a psychedelic ministry mm -hmm. um for sacrament, for spiritual reasons, but I am not a seller. You know, right. I right. do ceremonies for spiritual reasons where people come to me and they do it in my presence. And and that's where the harm reduction and stuff comes in as far as like, okay. From the psychedelic therapy tools you know space it's like they do it in my space mm -hmm. they are monitored you know for 24 hours right and so, so it's a little different so you know we talk about the setting right you create the setting and you have this wonderful sacred ceremony um can you talk to as well um you know the the, the mindset helping people beforehand and or helping them integrate or what that looks like in terms of maybe even activating some of the changes that yes. you know people might want to see in their lives yeah so so in the beginning they mm -hmm. have a list of questions like you can't really just come to our ceremonies because you want to come mm -hmm. so you have to be vetted first you have to fill out an application and you have to be selected to attend the ceremony mm -hmm. itself um so there's a whole medical screening and all yeah that. there's a whole medical screening there's an intake form after you're accepted because mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to do, you know, a hundred intake forms and, I, and you're not even approved to come from just the main right. basic part of it. So we'll start with the main application. We ask certain questions. Um, you know, I could deny you just based off you just want to come just to be doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not the purpose of why I do it. Mm -hmm. Somewhere else may be like, hey, this is a space for you. But for ours, it's for healing, clarity, transformation, you know, like becoming more of yourself. Like mm -hmm. it's it's for a reason when right. you come to right. ours, not just to kind of like, I just want to take some stuff. It's right. not a party. Right. Like ours is not a party. It could be fun and beautiful, but mm -hmm. it's not like you're coming to, to go to a party. So like, I'm uh, so, you know, for example, I'll just throw out a, a fictitious i'll make some stuff up okay uh, so i'm on the board of the end of life psychedelic care association you know so it's end of life mm -hmm. i'm an mdiv interfaith you know which really means yeah. there is no there there and yeah. you know that's that's in very much in line with what we're doing but if i was let's say at the end of my life and i wanted to go ahead and have a transcendent experience and i wanted to be in a safe space then assuming I found out about yeah. you know, the Sacred Celestial Institute, what would I do and how would that work for me? Uh, and, and why might I be accepted or not accepted? 
I would probably opt to do a, a private ceremony with that person instead mm -hmm. of a public one because I would have to probably go through different protocols. Mm -hmm. So I still would have to look at your medical history, where you're at, you know, what I'm saying? like it, there's that end of life care is a little different. I'm getting right. into it more now. Right. I mean, I maybe I might be like dying at the moment, but you okay. Know. So that's different. So I, I, have, have, I might have a year to go. <laughs> okay. So I've had people, I, I had a lady who came, she was 70. Mm -hmm. My mm -hmm. last year, 72. Mm -hmm. And so I've had from 17 year old to 72 come mm -hmm. to our ceremony. So it's it's a pretty broad range. Right. But she had said something very similar. She wasn't about to die mm -hmm. right now. Right. But I could tell that she was there because she wanted to just get some answers at mm -hmm. Right. She was facing her death bravely. Yeah. Yeah. She just wanted to she she wanted to experience something different. So mm -hmm. it's not like I want to go party. It was I want to see more of myself. I want to experience something different at the end of my life. Like I know that it's ending. Like these are some of the words that she told me wasn't ending right now. I was like, you can't come to this ceremony and like. Die. No, we ain't, no, but, you ain't dying at this ceremony. Yeah, at this ceremony. So I have to ask, you know, specific questions. Right. Yeah. But you can come and have an experience. So of course I had to like look at her medical records and you know like just different things just to make sure that I protect not just myself and her, but the people who are also going to be around her because I don't want anything to happen to her during that ceremony and freak right. out everybody else. And so, yeah, I, it was beautiful. She had a really great time. She got what she needed. Um, mm -hmm. I, I loved, I loved it. Like that's gorgeous. So that's, that's wonderful. So when, and, and, you know, you talked about harm reduction before, and um, I know it's a crucial aspect of psychedelic therapy, okay. but what kind of strategies can you use, you know, for, you know, making sure that you've got the safety and the well-being of individuals, you know, uh, in, in hand, if you will, during the course of the ceremony? You, said you know, you let's say this. Yeah. So let's say this woman, let's say she was there and 70, 71 years, 72. And, you know, let's say she had said you know uh, i don't feel well i feel like i'm you know i, I feel like i'm painter painting or i feel like i'm dying yeah well most people say they well not most a lot of people say they feel like they're dying so yeah it's the dying of the ego yeah we well <laughs> i don't know if it's always ego but i think it's just like sometimes it's fear sometimes it's anxiety sometimes it's and we are dying we are all dying we're all yeah, generating to whatever yeah yeah I, i've heard it a lot it's, it doesn't move me so i'm telling you like i'm very like grounded right. in ceremonies okay. because i i can't flip-flop in my emotions and, and energy but um if someone came we have different protocols so one if there is a real life emergency everybody on my team is cpr certified it doesn't matter who you are you have to go through the training you have to get certified you got to show me the card i have them all on file and so that's the first the first one. Um, and then we have certain things that we know help to move psilocybin along, I mean, the psilocin along so that it kind of speeds up the process. We also know how to not deactivate it, but to kind of break the connection in a sense, mm -hmm. somewhat. Mm -hmm. um, so we have like different protocols. We have different things in, in the refrigerator that's waiting. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody has asthma, we have plastic bags with everyone's name on it. They're lined up on the table mm -hmm. um, in the ceremony space, mm -hmm. in the kitchen, just in case. No one's ever needed it, but we have everything like laid out. So depending on 
who you are, what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. I kind of already know, not kind of, I know specifically about everybody's everything. Because mm-hmm. right. I ask, all, you know, all those questions are in the intake form. And then I also send, send that information to one of our doctors to make sure that if they're taking a certain medication, will this have a have a problem? No oh, good. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. even with the SSRIs, like yeah. a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't take it. But it's like, I haven't seen people have a problem even with taking SSRIs if mm-hmm. they can be off of it for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's one of my main uh, yeah, It's a big problem with ketamine. It's not as much of a problem with uh, psilocybin, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then the other side of harm reduction, I, I saw one of the questions on your intake form about addiction, right? Because there's this whole other area of harm reduction, which is really about that there is no such thing as addiction. You know, it's really about misuse or, um, you know, compulsory or compulsive use rather than addiction. And I'm wondering, do you incorporate some of that in terms of your. You only saw my application. Yeah. That was the intake form. <laughs> so oh, that was the application. Okay. That was just the right. application. Got it. Those, okay. the, those basic questions. Right. Because that doesn't deny you if you had an addiction. Right. Okay. So I just, I just need people to be honest, so I know what I'm dealing with, and then I can ask you deeper questions, because you could have had a past addiction to, to, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, if I was addicted you know to alcohol, saying? I mean, it might actually help me get off of the alcohol. So Right. So it's because I've seen people who have come in. I, I've had people who have had issues with cocaine. I've had people who have had issues with alcohol. Um, you know, they feel like they have issues with right. marijuana, you know, different things, you know, right. sex. Like it, it's, it varies. So right. I, I get yeah. a lot of people with different addictions. But and I want to know, like, hey, what do you want the outcome to be? One, is it, are you here for, to treat the addiction or are you here to treat what's causing the addiction mm-hmm. itself? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because right. a lot yeah. of addictions yeah. are yeah. caused yeah. by an underlining thing that they just haven't quite got to yet. Yeah. And I like, uh, Gabor Mate says, you know, um, you have to ask the reason why people are, you are drinking, drugging, eating, sexing, spending, yeah. you know, all of those things, because, you know, in a lot of cases they're masking or they're using them as a way to go ahead and mask the pain that the individual has, this existential pain that they're trying to figure out, how do I take that knife out of my back when I can't quite reach it, you know? And that, and that's, I think, where the psychedelics come in, and that's where I think you're opening up that container exactly. for that, is that, yeah? Absolutely, and so, like, I just make so, if they say, if they check addiction and we do the intake form that asks even deeper questions than that. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to approve this person. Right. And I approve this person. They have a, a regimen they have to go through in mm-hmm. order to detox their body for like a week or two, mm-hmm. depending on how severe or, you know, how much or how little some things right. are capital, some things. I did it in the last six months or, right. you know, like it just depends on the severity of it they have to go on a specific detox plan before attending the ceremony. So every single person that comes to the ceremony, once we get their intake form, we send them an individualized detox plan before the ceremony. Right. And what we need them to not take for a certain amount of time. And then everybody has to fast at a certain time, Mm -hmm. like the day of the ceremony, Mm -hmm. send out a message. It's fasting time. See you guys Mm -hmm. in a few hours, Mm -hmm. you know, but we really don't the ceremony for about six more hours so this is better than going to a doctor my goodness that sounds (laughs) and it's probably a lot cheaper (laughs) 
it's a lot cheaper you know it's and you know that that's that's the thing when, when we talk about the intersection between mm -hmm. that race and mental health it's like mm -hmm. i want to create i wanted to create a space that was a bridge between high and love right you know like i i'm in the center a place where everyone can feel safe to come like i have high-end ceos mm -hmm. i have people who mm -hmm. are moms i right. have teachers i have actors i have whatever whatever you do it doesn't right. matter but everybody feels safe in the same space yeah everybody's on equal playing field in right. that space that's great so it's creating something that's just right in the middle where all the different people can come from it's like you know like there's some people that are way on this side they can't go to the way over here you know so right. they come in the middle so i want to keep my so you pricing. meet them where they're at yeah, yeah i want to keep my pricing in the middle to where it's fair mm -hmm. you know and it's like i can pay my team and my staff and but it's fair still right Oh, right. because i know how much this stuff costs right right and if you're and if you're and if you're going aligned with the uh ethos with the soul and the spirit of the celestial you know institute when the sacred celestial institute then you know i think you know that's uh that's not only hoped for but uh it's wonderful when you're able to bless someone that way yeah and then we also open it up for sponsorship so like some people who come they'll they'll add and they'll sponsor another person to come so mm -hmm. it's it's a beautiful space and i i am committed to staying in that space and people don't like it but it's like you should charge more it's like i don't want to because then mm -hmm. the people who i know that need it they can't afford it mm -hmm. you know it's a right. stretch for some it's right. not for others but i'm in the middle beautiful. and that I feel like it's beautiful space for me. Beautiful. So I, I have, so we're at like coming towards the end. I have one question, okay. which is about you and about, you know, maybe you can share a transformative moment or a story, you know, from your work that really encapsulates, that brings together the profound impact of psychedelic therapy uh, and or working within the sacred container that you created uh, and uh, what that impact was, you know, for yourself, perhaps, or for someone else, uh, you know, one of their stories. Um, I'll use myself. Okay. So <laughs> for, <laughs> for me, I feel like, you know, I've always like in the beginning, like I told you, I've always been in this space where I was always helping people to heal and grow. I was doing retreats and, you know, doing really radical exercises mm -hmm. and things. And when I found psychedelics, I was working on a healing center with someone they were like you should try it and i was like eh, mm -hmm. no thank you you know what i'm saying that's like the drugs that i don't want to be a part of and but when i did it i was like right. oh my god this is like a life hack mm -hmm. i know so many people who need this and not that it's just a life hack on its own because you still got to take the information and go integrate it and do the work so it's but it's a it's a mind opener you know and i think for me, it has changed my whole life. So now I'm sitting here talking to you. Like I started the Sacred Celestial Institute. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw a lot of the holes that were in the space where it was like, okay, how can I help people with this? How mm -hmm. can I put them on the, the right track to get them really in alignment, to get them really opened up, to get them really in touch with who they really are faster mm -hmm. than just sitting and talking. Where mm -hmm. I don't have to say anything, but your spirit is having a conversation with you. You're having a conversation and coming face to face with yourself. I don't have to really say anything. 
Now, when we get to integration, yes, I'm coaching you. I'm answering your questions. We're integrating these things. Mm -hmm. But during that process, it's so profound because it's doing it with you on its own. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm there just to keep you safe on that journey. As a a witness, keeping me safe. And that is what makes it so much more powerful because it's not like somebody's pointing a finger at you, telling you about Mm -hmm. you. It is you coming face to face with yourself. You know, and I and I think that that changed my my whole life because now look at what I'm doing. Right. You know, I I have done over 400 people in ceremonies. Well, mm-hmm. wow. wow. just the span of three and a half years. Wow. Well, well, I want some of that. I want some of that. I want some of that. But that's huge to me. It's like and and the you know when I get my feedback because I send out forms. I'm like, hey, is there, do you think anything should be different? Is there anything that you wanted more of? You know, I I ask for real, honest feedback, and people give me the longest, most beautiful messages about how it's changed their life. And when I check oh, in later, wonderful. they're like, hey, guess what? Remember when I wanted to? When I said I wanted to fly, I just became a pilot. I just got my pilot's license. Thank you for wow. you know helping me to feel more free. Thank you for helping me to open up. Thank you for helping me to heal that mother wound. You know, thank you. Now I'm pregnant. I'm having my first thought. Not that I'm responsible for the pregnancy or all these things. It's people did their own work. Right. You know, they came into a safe. I just created a safe space. That's beautiful. To be able to come and feel safe, safe enough to find themselves. And that is so beautiful and profound. So for me as a teacher, it's like, wow, I feel good. I'm walking in my purpose. I'm doing what I was put on this mm-hmm. planet to do. And that makes me feel like I'm in alignment with why um, I'm that's, here. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. And all of that and all of that comes from your own work and you doing your yeah. own work and then being able to create the space so that other people can do their work. And as you say, it's their work. And what a wonderful place for you to be to be a witness to that. So, you know, uh, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Can I tell you one last thing that really, really is profound? Yeah. When I had brain, I had brain surgery a few years Mm. ago. Mm -hmm. It was right before I wrote my book. And I remember feeling like they told me that I wouldn't be able to put things together. Mm -hmm. I would have a hard time putting things together. I'd be weaker. I I would be disabled in some way. And I feel like I felt so hopeless Mm. for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then I had a moment when I was on that table where I had to choose to live. I had, I wasn't coming back. They couldn't wake me up. Mm-hmm. And I had to choose to live, to come back. And when you get those opportunities to come back here and do your work and you look at things from a different mm-hmm. perspective and you're like, that's why I went through that. You know, like these hardships mm-hmm. you go through when people counted you out and said that, mm-hmm. hey, you would be able to put words together and I'm having a right. conversation with you and I write a book and I'm doing all these things. It's like psychedelics for me is like that Mm, mm, it's like it's mm. like that rebirth right for people it's like i came back to do my work and whatever it takes and so that reignited me on a whole another level after that right it's that transformation and that rebirth i i call it a you know reboot reset reframe but there's more to that because what you're doing is you're really shedding old skin and you're stronger and you're rising up yeah, yeah. whatever, you know. That's I, wonderful, Phoenix. That's, that's wonderful. So let me ask you, we're, we're at the end. How do people okay. get a hold of you and how do people become part of your community? What, uh, yeah. tell us, yeah. Um, well, you can get a hold of me very easily. 
I'm very active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, so Instagram is at Phoenix White or at the Sacred Celestial. You probably, if you want to talk to me, you got to go to at Phoenix White. You'll get me faster. Mm -hmm. um, I have two ceremonies coming up, a retreat and a few other things this year. So you can go to the sacredcelestial.com. Um, on the sacredcelestial.com, our next, I don't know when this is coming out, but our next ceremony is actually in Atlanta in February 24th. Oh, it's February now. February 24th is our next mm -hmm. ceremony in Atlanta. And then the next one will be in September in San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, and then in between that, we'll have our five-day retreat, and that will be in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Well, we might uh, be uh, releasing the episode uh, before the 24th. So if you're listening to this, please uh, make sure you, you get a hold of Phoenix White at the Sacred Celestial Institute. And, uh, you know, just uh, go to and, and go or go to the website and sign up. Yeah. 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 Great. I Great. check everything. So I see everything that Great. comes through. Great. Well, I again want to just thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you, Phoenix, for gracing us with your wisdom, your insights, and your unwavering commitment to healing and transformation. Your work is truly transformative, and we're greatly grateful and uh, really appreciate you being here and being a light to the world. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey. Be sure to check out Phoenix's book, Redefining Strong, and explore the transformative experiences offered by the Sacred Celestial Institute. Until next time, remember to embrace mindfulness, cultivate compassion, and nurture the journey towards inner healing and self-discovery. This is Keith Fifeson signing off from the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. Stay mindful, stay curious, and stay tuned for more transformative conversations.